Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. Oh, Lord. Y'all gonna make us act a fool this early in the morning. Shoot. <laughs> I said, y'all don't, want us to, y'all don't want us to have a real service. We about to just go crazy this morning. 9.30, can we make some noise? Man, I don't know about y'all, but I already like 9.30 over the 11.30. <laughs> it's almost as if, like, there's, there's just this... We already know that there's freedom at the Gap Church, but it's almost like there's just a release this morning. There's a freedom in knowing that the grave is empty. Can we make some noise right now? (laughs) Man, God is so good. Uh, We are celebrating, of course, the fact that we have a new service, 9.30 a.m. Can we just make some noise? But it's not just about the 9.30 a.m. service, but it's the fact that we are celebrating a monumental day, of course, the very thing that makes our faith affirmed. This is the resurrection, the fact that the grave is empty. So let's just make some noise that Jesus died and he rose up. We do not serve a dead God. We don't serve a God that is dead. We serve a living, present God. Let's just make some noise, man. Man, how's everybody doing this morning? Y'all can talk to me. Y'all can talk to me. Okay, that's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. Man, I'm, 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 I'm so happy that you guys are awake, you know, because usually this, this early, like, I think I'll probably just be waking up, like, maybe, like, 30 minutes ago, wiping the crust off of my eyes. Um, but you guys are wide and awake. So let's just make some noise for you, for you all yourselves. <laughs> uh, this morning, man, that's so weird saying this morning. That's awkward. <laughs> um, I have the privilege of um, sharing a word here at the Gap Church. If you are watching or if you're here in person, this is your first time, or you, of course, you join us all the time. My name is Dar David Ropotusen. I'm a part of the Word team here at the Gap Church, and this is the Gap Church where we are filling the Gap Church, filling the, whoa, filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Let's just make some noise for that. So today we are celebrating the resurrection power, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And before I even go into the message, I just want to just let you all know straight off the fact, just, just from the very beginning, that God loves the world. If you do not know that or if you haven't heard that enough, God loves the world. Not just the believers, but the world. Can we say that? The world. God loves the world. Not only does God love the world, but God is intentional. Can we say Intentional intentional which means everything that he does is ordered it is ordered why is this important this morning because I want us to realize and understand that this is what shapes the very framework of who our God is he's an intentional loving God my mentor said this weekend when I was watching his message she said that you know the amazing thing about God is that God stands at the end of time at the end of our stories and calls us from the beginning He stands at the end of our story and calls us from the beginning. What does that let us know? That even if our story looks rocky right now, even if our story doesn't look the best, even if there's darkness, you see the fact that he's at the end of the story means that there's something great at the end. Can we make some noise for that? So if you're taking notes today, I'm just going to go ahead and align my message with the theme for this Easter, and it is the perfect replacement The perfect replacement. Everybody say that. The perfect replacement. And and what I'm going to do, because I want you all to know from the very beginning that Jesus is the perfect replacement. Just off the bat. He is the perfect replacement. But I want us to understand why 
is replacement needed? Why is there a replacement in the first place? I thought God is so intentional. I, got, I thought God loves the world and he has everything and he calls us from the end, you know, from the beginning. And I thought, no, I want you all to just know why there's a replacement. And I'm going to briefly this morning lead us just through a very, very short time of going through from the beginning to where Jesus comes in. I want to give us perspective and context to why there has to be a replacement. Can we say amen? I want us to open our Bibles this morning to Genesis 1.26. Genesis 1.26. Genesis 1.26. Genesis 1.26. Let me make sure I got my time right so I'm not just preaching away. Genesis 1.26. If you're there, say there. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. <clears throat> and it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and, this, and the, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on this earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Bless the reading of God's word. You see, the reason why I want us to read this scripture just very briefly is that as a human being... This is the first time that I believe God lets us know what our responsibility is as a creation. This is why we were made. We were made in his image, but it strictly says so that we may have dominion over all the earth. So the earth is ours. Dominion over all the earth. And I love what it says because I think it's very important to pray, uh, to, to pay attention to, to words. It says, let us make man in our image. And it says, let them have dominion. So that means God chose to let us have dominion. He didn't, he didn't have to give it to us. He chose for us to have dominion over the earth. Now, I'm going to start from the garden because I'm sure we all know the story of Adam and Eve, and we know how that goes, and we know the arguments, and, you know, Eve did this, and Adam did that, and, you know, we can get all crazy about it, but I don't want to focus on the story of Adam and Eve. I want to more so focus on the context that Adam was placed in from the very beginning. You see, the reason why I want us to pay attention to the context that Adam was in is because the context allows us to understand the intentionality and the true, the true reality of what God wanted with us. So I'm just going to go some, through some points of what the garden represented and what the garden gave Adam from the very beginning. Can we say amen to that? So the first thing that I want to spotlight about the garden, because Adam was put in the garden, was free will. You see, in the beginning is when we realize and we start to see the first symbolism and first uh, concept given of free will. I'm not going to go through all the scriptures, but I'll just say them, paraphrase them. You see, in the scripture, God literally says to Adam, he says, you can go and eat from every single tree. There's a tree over there. Don't eat that tree, you know, just don't eat it because you will die. But every other thing, you know, you can do whatever you want to do, and it's all yours. See, God doesn't say that, hey, there's a tree over there. If you go near it, your body will not allow you to touch it. He says there's a tree there. I would like if you don't touch it, because this is what happens if you do. I would like if you don't eat from it. So we see that from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, there is free will established. There's free will established. Adam gets to choose what he wants to eat. God doesn't handpick it for him. He gets to choose where he wants to walk. God doesn't direct him. He doesn't hold his hand. You see, Adam has free will. Number two, the second thing is authority. Authority. 
I don't mean just authority by stand there, go there. I mean divine authority. Divine authority. Everybody said that. Divine authority. The reason why this is important is because if you read the scripture, you'll miss it. You'll miss the fact that Adam had divine authority. In the scripture, it says that God, all the creatures he made, would bring them to Adam, and whatever Adam named them, he would honor. So what, what that means is that everything that Adam said, cow, camel, cat, I guess we're just going with the seas today, uh, whatever he named them, God backed him. That's what, that's what divine authority is, is where you can say something and it's backed in the spiritual aspect. It's backed by your God. So here's the thing. Adam had divine authority in the Garden of Eden. He was given divine authority from the very beginning. The next thing, and I love this, is in the Garden, Adam had freedom. He had freedom. And the scripture says, and this is when Eve was in the situation, it says they were both naked the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. I would like to take it a, a step further and believe that it's not just a physical nakedness, but even a vulnerability as far as flesh goes as well. They were both naked in the garden. They were unashamed, vulnerable. They did not care who saw them. They had no problems. They were unashamed in the garden. <laughs> that was the type of freedom that they had. They ain't got to worry about nothing. Shoot, don't look at me. I'm good. Shoot. And what does freedom even, even, even relate to? You know, I started to think that freedom just relates to identity because they knew whose they were. In the garden, there was no reason for them to be ashamed because they knew who was representing them. They, know, they knew who put them in the garden. There was no question. There was no reason to be ashamed. The next thing was that the garden had the presence of God and access. I love this scripture because it allows me to imagine what the Garden of Eden was. It says that at one point that they could hear God walking through the bushes in the Garden of Eden. Can y'all just imagine that? The fact that they could hear God rustling through the bushes. That is the type of access that they had in the Garden of Eden. The fact that they knew God was walking around them. They knew that the presence of God was in the Garden of Eden. Isn't that just, wow. That's what, they, that's, what they, that's what they knew. And so they had the access. They had the free will. They had the divine authority. I'll say Adam had the divine authority. The free will, the freedom, the presence of God was there. They had everything. I'm sure if you're listening and you're here right now, you're just like, man, that's amazing. Put me in the Garden of Eden. Shoot, I ain't going to mess up. <laughs> Shoot, I ain't going to mess up. And so we all know how the story goes. We know that over time what happens is that the serpent deceives Eve and Eve gives the fruits to Adam. Adam takes a bite. And the reason why the bite was very significant is because the man that had authority, the man that God put, I would like to say, I don't want to say the keys of the world in, but I would like to say a spare key, <laughs> A spare key, because here's the thing. The moment that Adam lost it, it didn't mean that God lost it. Let's just make sure about that. You see, as men, we have dominion over the earth, so the keys was just for dominion over the earth. And so the moment that Adam took a bite from that fruit, he gave away the authority, the access, the freedom, all these things that was received when you are in community and you are in relationship with God. 
over to the enemy. And so that is where we mess up. And that is where the process for the replacement comes in. But I want us to understand because, like I said, God is an amazing God. He's loving. He has intentional ways. And I'm going to use some visual examples because I believe, you know, I got to get out of my bag today, you know. Um, I have a, in my pocket here, I don't know why I still have it. I still keep it. This is the first iPhone ever. It's tiny, right? This is the iPhone 1, yeah. <laughs> it's very tiny. <laughs> I'm struggling to hold it. <laughs> Um, but you see, I want us to understand that this is Adam. This is Adam. And so, you see, Adam, the intentionality behind Adam was for all these things. So this had access, it had authority, it had everything. But the reality is that once the fruit was eaten from, it was all lost. And so the hard part about this is that every man that came after Adam looked just like this because this was the intentional first design by God. This is what it looked like. And so what happens, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to relate this to technology, is that over the time, God is trying to reconcile his children back to him. So what does God do? And I'm going to point out something because I want you to realize that in order for something to, have, to be a replacement, it has to have the same qualities that the first ever version had. So Moses had authority, free will, freedom, access, the presence of God. Abraham had, well, yeah, authority freedom. You see, there's a, there's, a, there's a thing that happens throughout the Old Testament is that everyone that God comes into relationship with to reconcile humanity has those same qualities that were given to Adam in the Garden of Eden. But here's the reality is that they all look like this. And so what happens is that I would like to say every single person that God wanted to be in relationship with or wanted to, to use to, to reconcile his children, whether it be Moses, Abraham, uh, David, or whether it be Deborah, Samson, Ezekiel, Elijah, the thing, the thing about it is that those were all just software updates. They were all just software updates. That's it. And if you understand technology enough, you'll realize that after a while, because some of us, it's like we're in bondage when it comes to changing our phones, it's not until the update doesn't work on our phone anymore that we now have to upgrade our phone. <laughs> and so you see what happens is that it gets to the point that it's not the fact that the software update isn't good, it's just the fact that the actual build of what's inside is the problem. It gets to a point that the software update has everything you need in it, but the problem is that the actual framework, the RAM, the processors, all the inner workings of this version cannot actually make it. it it's not compatible for some reason. It's not compatible anymore. And so what happens is that we hear silence for a while. We see the prophets speak of this man that is coming. And what happens is there's another version that is being in the works. And you see, this is why there was need for a replacement is because this version was not enough to reconcile humanity. So Jesus comes into the picture. 
You see, after all the Elijah and Ezekiel and everyone that happened, you know, it just gets to the point where I'm sure a lot of us have been where it's like we try and tell someone to do something for us, but they're not doing it the way we want it to be done. So we're just like, you know what? I'm going to do it myself. So God sends his son. This is why John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. I don't want us to take that out of context and, and just pass by that. He loved the world so much that, you know what? I'm just going to have to send my son. Ezekiel didn't work. David didn't work. Samson didn't work. So my son, I love y'all so much, man. I, I really love y'all to be able to do this. He sends his son forth. And so what happens is that his son comes in, a newer version, and has the access, the authority, the free will, the freedom, and he is the embodiment of God's presence. And so what happens is that every single version that is in, I like to say that Jesus was in the beta testing when he lived his life. Because you have to understand that in order for something to be able to replace its predecessor, you have to realize it has to go through the same test. And so you see the first time Jesus has to go through a test is when he is tempted by Satan after uh, he's led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And he, he is tempted by Satan. And what happens is that he overcomes the temptation. But I love what the scripture says because I want to just... Let's put this out there. It says in verse 13 of Luke, uh, Luke 4, 13, it says, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. You see, I just want to say this real quick. I believe that even if Adam did not eat from the, the, the fruit, he still would have been tempted again. Because here's the thing. Even after Jesus went through that first temptation, the devil knew that he would still come back again to tempt him. And so you have to realize over all the different updates, the software updates, Ezekiel's, they all had to go through all their temptations. And so Jesus had to go through it all, the same thing, just to prove that he was worthy of being the perfect replacement. I'll even take it a step further. You have to understand that the reason why the other software updates did not work is because they could not pay the price that was required to save humanity, to reconcile the children of God back to him. You see, God is a just God. And so there is going to be a price to pay, and that price was just the fact of being perfect, being spotless. So every time a, a, a prophet made a mistake or Moses made a mistake, you see, what happened is that it disqualified them from being the worthy replacement of what God wanted. And so Jesus now goes through all the temptations. And I love what the scripture says because it's important. He has to go through these to prove that he himself has gone through everything we've gone through. Hebrews 2.18 says, For in he himself has suffered being tempted, he's able to aid those who are tempted. So the reality is that Jesus went through what you're going through so that he can relate with you. So if you're going through depression, Jesus went through it. Anger, he's been tempted in that area. And so, Jesus, through his righteous living, became and qualified himself as the perfect sacrifice. Not even replacement yet. Sacrifice. He was clean. He was spotless. And so he was worthy of paying the price. And so when he gets on the cross, you have to realize that that is the affirmation of him being the clean lamb the worthy lamb that can reconcile us to God. 
And so I love what John 3.17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to contemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, so as Jesus was crucified, I want you to realize that that was just the final stage of his beta testing. Because, you see, the reason why today is so powerful is because the resurrection was an affirmation of him being the perfect replacement. I'll clear it up for you. You see, you have to realize that the resurrection was the endorsement that he was truly the perfect replacement. So I would like to say the resurrection was the launch saying that this version is worthy enough to be the one that we look to and can be saved by. If Jesus didn't rise, his death wouldn't have been justified. He wouldn't have been the perfect replacement. His rise is what makes him the perfect replacement. And why this is important is because Jesus couldn't have a thousand millions of children to hopefully, quote unquote, make a beautiful, holy generation that is reconciled to God. So you have to realize that the moment that he was resurrected and he won the cross and, and he went through that process, it made it easy for us now because we could be saved by him. And so what happens is that we now, when God sees us and we give our life to Christ, God sees this. See, we may look like this because of Adam, but because of Jesus' resurrection and the fact that he died for us on the cross, God sees this. So what happens is that the firmware updates that Jesus comes with, we get it. We get it. You see, so the access that Jesus had, we get it too. You have to realize that that is why when you give your life to Christ, you are a new creation. You are a new creation. You have benefits because now through salvation is where we have a new, a new human race, a new spiritual race. That is what happens through the resurrection. God is the great restorer, people. He's that intentional. He's that intentional. He realized and said that, you know what? There has to be a way. You have to understand that the moment Jesus was on this earth, everything that he walked through, all the temptations, it was just so you didn't have to look like this anymore. Broken, old, dinged up, a liar, a stealer. And so I love what God does because I want to just close with this. Because God is, even in the story of Jesus, he was so intentional, not just from the spiritual aspect, but from the, from the actual practical aspect. Because when I was reading scripture, even when I was preparing for this, it's almost like, yes, Jesus is a perfect replacement. But I want us to understand that Jesus even divinely just fit into God's plans. He just fit into the way human race was going to work out. You see, there's a story, and I love, Lelati prayed about this, funny enough. She was praying about uh, Pilate, and she mentioned that uh, Pilate was overcome by, by uh, peer pressure, that they were shouting, oh, no, we want, the, we want the Savior to be dead, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, as I was reading that scripture over this week, I started to realize that it wasn't just one person, because we always talk about the man that was next to Jesus on the cross that was saved at death, but I believe there was two people that were saved. You see, the person that was supposed to die, um, his name was, was Barabbas, right? Barabbas. 
You see, Barabbas was, he was a murderer. And so all the qualifications to die, he had it over Jesus. And so as I begin to do more research, I want you to understand this because this is how amazing and intentional God is when it came to Jesus being the perfect replacement. You see, if you look further and you actually do some more research, you'll realize that the full name of Barabbas is Jesus Barabbas. So you see, when they were put before Pilate, it was a question of two Jesuses. It was Jesus or Jesus. Jesus or Jesus of Nazareth. That was it. You see, that's how intentional God was, that the person that, was suppo- that Jesus was supposed to replace even had the same name as him. Jesus or Jesus of Nazareth. And so who would know that Barabbas, his life would be just for the fact that he could make way for someone else to save humanity. That's how intentional God is. I want to encourage you this morning and let you know that God is so intentional about your story, about what you're going through, because the reality is that it may not look like it right now, but here's the thing. You could just be like Barabbas, because here's the thing. We were supposed to be Barabbas. We were supposed to be on that cross. I want us to realize and understand that the only reason sometimes we doubt ourselves is because we forget about the intentionality of God. So here's the thing. The fact that Jesus rose today... And we have access to that. Let us walk in the intentionality that it was done for us so that we can have a new life, so we can have freedom. Can we say amen to that? That's why he is the great restorer. And I want to close with the scripture in Romans 5.18. Romans 5.18. God did all of that just to put us in good standing. All of that. It says... Verse 18, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. What is this saying right real real quick? I just want to let you all know because it can kind of sound like gibberish (laughs) because the New King James Version is saying that. You see, through Adam's sin, it resulted condemnation for all of us. Because of one man's sin, we now were sin. We now became the ones that were sinful. But it's saying now, through one man's righteous act, a free gift came to all of us. But we have to understand it's a gift. It's a gift. We can take it or we can leave it. That's the reality. We can take it or leave it. A free gift came to all men, resulting in the justification of life. What does that mean? It means that it resulted in us being right with God. That's what the gift resulted in us being right with God. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. That was Moses. That was David. All of the prophets. By one man's sin, all of us became sinners. We were made sinners. But here's the thing. One man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Can we say amen to that? One man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, and this is why God is so amazing, grace abounded much more. Much more. So that as in sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So through Jesus Christ our Lord, we are now given access to eternal life. You see, one man's sin 
put us in a dark place, but you have to understand one man's obedience gave us access and restored us. That is an amazing exchange if you ask me. This is why Jesus is the perfect replacement. And at this time, I want you to just stand up right now because there's people who are watching or aren't in here who need this reminder to, to, to understand and, and realize that it should have been us. It should have been us. You see what Moses had to go through. One mistake and he wasn't allowed the promised land anymore. You see, we should have had the judgments against us. It should have been us. We should have been the one on the cross. But you see, Jesus was the perfect replacement for even us. So I want us to just close our eyes right now. And I want us to just reflect very briefly. Reflect, reflect very briefly on what today means for you as a believer. Some of us need this time to just reflect and think about the fact that, wow, you did that for me? All for me? All for me? All for me? So I could have access, authority, so I can have all these things, so I can be in commune relationship with you, God? You sent your son just for me? You sent your son just for maybe, maybe that I'll accept him. Oh, Lord, I'm grateful. Can we just give thanks to God right now this moment? Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you because we didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it. <laughs> God, we've sinned so much, but you sent your son who would have to walk the hard journey through temptation above temptation, having to obey, having to restrain himself just so that we could be free. God, we are grateful. Lord, we say thank you. And at this moment, if you're in here or online, I just want to extend this opportunity to you because I believe that this will be a, 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 such a message. It would be a shame that if you ignore this message and, and you are in a place where you don't have a relationship with Christ or you want to renew your relationship with Christ, that you did not take advantage of this moment. So I'm going to give you this opportunity because this is time for you to reconcile. You see what he did to reconcile himself with you. All you got to do is just be bold to reconcile yourself with him, to accept him as your Lord and Savior, to accept <laughs> the software update, to accept the fresh update, the res reset yourself to factory settings, I would like to say. This is just the moment right here. So if that's you, whether you are watching online or you're here in person, I just want us to say this prayer right now. Just follow my lead as I say it. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Help me to know you better. As I accept you today, take over my heart and dwell in me. Forgive me of my old ways. And help me to change into the person you want me to be. I love you, Lord, and I proclaim that you are my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody said, I just want us to pray this quick prayer. Heavenly Father, I just want us to pray this. Heavenly Father, please do not let me be too familiar with the sacrifice that you paid for us. Just pray that prayer right now, whether you're online or in person. Lord, I don't want to be too familiar with what you did for me, for the price that your son paid for me, God. 
Lord, restore the joy of my salvation, Heavenly Father God. Lord, I don't want to be too familiar with what you've done on the cross. I don't want to be too familiar, Heavenly Father God, for the depths that you went just to reconcile with me, Heavenly Father God. I don't want to just be super familiar just because I've heard the story thousands and thousands of times, Lord. God, I want to be able to remember and truly understand and be able to love and to be able to access and to be able to put into that aspect that, Lord, you truly love me. That you did all that for me, God. So, Heavenly Father, we say thank you, Lord. As we celebrate, God, your son being crucified and, and resurrecting from the grave, Heavenly Father, God, we say thank you, Lord, because even before we were born, Heavenly Father, God, you already had a plan for us. Even before we were ever even thought of by our parents, God, you already had a plan for us, Lord. We say thank you so much, Heavenly Father, God, because you didn't have to do it, but you did it anyways. You didn't have to do it, but you did it anyways, Lord. Lord, we don't want to forget the sacrifice, the price that your son paid for us, Lord. Heavenly Father, God, even as we go out into this week, God, and as we go through this day, Heavenly Father, God, help us to be in remembrance of the price you paid, to be in rejoicing, God, for the sacrifice that you paid just for us, Almighty Father, God. Let us not forget the price that you paid, Heavenly Father, God, Lord. Lord, we say thank you for being the perfect replacement, God. Thank you for being perfect, God. Lord, thank you for replacing what one man did that put us into sin, Heavenly Father. Thank you for the plan, for the intentionality, Heavenly Father God. We're so grateful, Heavenly Father God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. Can we just give the Lord a shout? Clap your hands right now. Thank you for tuning in to the Gap Church Podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations. We celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Again, text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.